The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Setting the Record Straight, where various Christian Reconstructionist pastors seek to understand and dissect the issues that are plaguing the church today, from the pulpit to the pew. Hello and welcome to another edition of Setting the Record Straight, a podcast of Reconstructionist Radio. I'm Jason Garwood and I'm your host for today. I serve as lead pastor of Callwood Church in Carroll, Michigan. I'm husband to Mary and father of three beautiful children. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out our Facebook pages so you can interact with us and any questions you may have. Let's begin. Just a couple of weeks ago, Pastor John MacArthur of Grace Community Church in California did a short video titled Racism and Black Lives Matter. It's only a few minutes long, so I want to play the whole thing so you get the context. I want to make sure you hear what I heard. Here goes. Obviously, our country has had an issue with race for since the beginning, and we've seen a continued increase in racial issues from Ferguson to the Black Lives Matter movement. How does the church address it? Because there are some who are true believers that feel that the church isn't necessarily addressing those issues. But as we know, it's all about sin and the gospel at the very heart of it. But how does a pastor address this if their church isn't predominantly African-American or does it want to become a social justice church? First of all, I, I think you, you have to have this absolute confidence. Jesus said, I will build my church. He has already predetermined before the foundation of the world the racial mix of his church. Okay? He knows how many Latinos, how many Caucasians, how many African Americans, how many Chinese, how many Japanese. They are all, their names have been all written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Mm-hmm. So uh, all I want to do is preach the Word of God, the Gospel, with the same love that God has already determined to shed on every tribe and tongue and people and nation on the planet. So there's a a sense in which it is a non-issue. It doesn't even exist as an issue. I can't fix racial injustices. I can't fix people who feel like they're disenfranchised. I can't fix the history of the world. I can't rewrite the American history. I can't take anger out of people who feel like they're being flooded with uh, Muslim Arabs who are changing their culture. I I can't fix that. My responsibility is to realize that in Christ there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. We're all one in Christ. And that that the Lord has chosen His church and that, that my responsibility is to preach the gospel throw my arms open to receive the ones the Lord has chosen and embrace that with with complete and full joy. The object of life is no longer to fix past injustices. The object of life now is to proclaim Christ to whomever. And I I just will not give that up for another agenda. I'm not going to say, now you're a believer. I'm going to send you back into a pre-salvation world and ask you if you can fix that. It just can't be done. I'd rather say, you've come to Christ, whatever your culture you've come from, you are now 
a missionary for the gospel. Go to those people in your sphere of influence and take Christ to them. And once they come to Christ, all other issues, the world is full of issues, obviously, but all other issues fall away. They just, they disappear uh, and the gospel takes prominence. All who are in Christ, chosen by the Lord, brothers and sisters in Christ, without regard to any kind of ethnicity, that's the body of Christ. And that ought to be celebrated by the church. Look, I'm not talking as a white guy just on the outside looking in. I was with a group of black leaders in Mississippi one night. I was with uh, Charles Evers, the brother of Medgar Evers, who was the first martyr of the civil rights movement. And I was with all black leaders in Jackson when Martin Luther King was assassinated. There were no white people but me. I was there. They took me to Memphis. Within hours, I was standing on that motel deck where the bloodstains of Martin Luther King were. And I, was, I went back to that building. James Earl Ray stood on a toilet and shot him from that little window. I stood on that toilet, looked out that window and saw that view. Within hours, I was involved in ministering in all across the black community in the South for a long time. I couldn't get food in restaurants in, in the town that, that I was in with John Perkins, my, my dear brother. Uh, John reminded me of an interesting thing recently when Martin Luther King was shot, I, I was going around holding assemblies in, in these uh, black high schools in Mississippi, and I had to hold a service, a funeral service for Martin Luther King in those high schools. So John Perkins kind of chuckles when he says, so my friend John MacArthur's going around holding memorial services for Martin Luther King. Look, I've been on that side of it, and I see that, but I also see the power of the gospel, and, and when the gospel changes your life, you go from social issues to spiritual issues. Now, I want to say right off the bat, there is much to be commended in this video. Dr. MacArthur's testimony regarding the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. makes me want to weep. Um, I'm thankful for... MacArthur's opportunity to minister during that very, very difficult time. And Dr. MacArthur's comment regarding unity in the body of Christ is noteworthy, too. But there were two troubling statements that either, one, were too subtle to notice, or two, possibly something said on camera that maybe MacArthur would have preferred to tease out a bit more. I want this to be charitable, that's for sure. Now, MacArthur has taught me a lot of things. Um, but I, I'm concerned about these couple of statements, especially in light of some similar things he has said in the past. The first quote was this, The object of life is no longer to fix past injustices. The object of life now is to proclaim Christ to whomever. End quote. It's interesting that he quotes Jesus saying that he would build his church just prior to this statement. It's interesting because MacArthur's commitment to dispensationalism leaves the church defeated in history. He wants to commit himself to the Word of God, a commitment he has built his entire ministry upon, and for that conviction I am grateful. But his very own system runs contrary to Scripture. Christ will build his church. And in the same gospel account, Jesus describes later how he's going to do that by discipling the nations, baptizing them into the covenant, and teaching them God's law. But according to MacArthur's dispensationalism, the nations won't be discipled, nor can they be discipled. 
So which is it? Will Christ defeat his enemies and then step off his throne, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15? Or will Christ's commitment to building his church actually fail like dispensationalism teaches? Now, as a side note, this is not a straw man. Rapture doctrine, particularly pre-tribulational rapture doctrine, requires that things get worse and worse, and then Jesus snatches out the church. To call that a success in history would be what we call moving the goalposts. At any rate, MacArthur said that the object of life is no longer to fix past injustices. It's to proclaim Christ. On one level, I, I can agree that the, the proclamation of Christ is our objective. We ought to proclaim in word and deed the gospel of King Jesus. That's what we say often around our church here. And though not a confessional Christian as far as I know, I think MacArthur can agree that our aim is to glorify God and to enjoy him, enjoy him forever. And part of glorifying God is proclaiming his Son. The problem comes in, however, when MacArthur obfuscates the issue. No longer, he says, no longer is a troublesome phrase. Is he saying that Christians should no longer ever care about injustices? Should Micah 6 verse 8 be ignored about our pursuit of justice? Possibly, as the Old Testament is virtually irrelevant in dispensational scheme of things, does Pastor John intend for us to think that caring about injustice should only pertain to the unregenerate? And that when a person is converted, he moves from caring about injustices to only caring about preaching the gospel. At best, this is equivocation. At worst, this is downright contrary to the very gospel itself, which does teach us to care about injustices. I find that this type of language from MacArthur smacks of dualism. People say the same thing sometimes when they say, just preach the gospel. Just concern yourself with preaching the gospel. That's all you need to do. We, we shouldn't concern ourselves with things in the world, the pietists say. Uh, we just need to focus on the gospel. Now, let me ask you, have you preached the gospel to anyone today? Did you eat breakfast? Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you heed your own advice and just preach the gospel? Why bother yourself with eating? That's worldly anyway. I think you get the absurdity of such a statement. No one ever just preaches the gospel. That's because God doesn't expect that to be the only thing we do. If MacArthur means this, then I think he's dead wrong. I would argue that we can address injustices because of the gospel. But to suggest that we shouldn't concern ourselves with it, but instead just preach Christ, is confusing at best. Now, the second quote I found troubling was this. MacArthur stated, When the gospel changes your life, you go from social issues to spiritual issues. End quote. You should have caught that at the very end of the clip. Now, I have to confess that I've listened to this several times with the hope that maybe I missed something. I really wanted to be wrong about this, but I just don't think I am. Perhaps, as mentioned previously, MacArthur would want to tease this out some more. That's fine, and he can. As far as I know, he hasn't. But I still take major issue with this statement because it's built on his own dispensational presuppositions, and those presuppositions are built on dualism physical bad or unnecessary spiritual good. That, that's dualism in a very small nutshell. Now, my, my contention with MacArthur's comment 
is that it really goes hand in hand with the previous one. He seems to be suggesting that there really is no place for us to concern ourselves with social issues, which is ironic given the fact that he just gave a personal example of his involvement in the war for civil rights. I mean, he literally says that when we move from a state of spiritual depravity to a state of grace, right, the gospel changes your life, you move from social to spiritual issues. Does he mean that when a person becomes a Christian, he now doesn't only concern himself with social issues? Because the Holy Spirit is inside of this renewed man, he can't only worry about social issues. He has to worry about spiritual issues. I'll tell you why I don't think this is the case. One, his previous quote doesn't lend itself to this interpretation. Second reason, he's said other things similar to this in the past. Now, let me read a quote from MacArthur from a video he did with Christianity.com some time ago. The question was posed to him, should Christians be focused on taking back the culture? Here's the transcript of MacArthur's video. I really couldn't care less about the culture war. I wouldn't give 10 seconds to worrying about the culture war. What are you talking about? Two temporal opposing moral philosophies? I don't think it matters if you go to hell as a policeman or a prostitute. What matters is you're going to hell. I don't think I could be satisfied that things get got excuse me, more moral. That isn't the issue. They were bad in Enoch's day, but God used Enoch to be a preacher of righteousness, and because he was a preacher of righteousness, he begot another preacher of righteousness named Noah. And there were three sons and three daughters-in-law who believed his message, and the human race was saved. You know, superficial cultural morality, I grieve over it. But Enoch survived in a world where everyone was corrupt, everyone was corrupt. And he preached righteousness to that world, divine righteousness, God's righteousness. And thus he preached trust in God and salvation and the need for forgiveness and repentance and all that. So I can't get engaged in a culture war if you're just shifting around the furniture on the deck of the Titanic. This thing is going down, and it doesn't matter how we sort of arrange the moral furniture. What matters is that we have lives that impact eternity and bring people the gospel which saves them forever. End quote. I think that the reality is... This quote and the previous ones discussed go hand in hand. The latter quote here really sheds light on MacArthur's presuppositions. When the Holy Spirit regenerates a person, is MacArthur right on this? Does this person go from social issues to spiritual issues? Is it like graduating to another grade? Is there somehow a higher, more noble pursuit in life once a person gets saved? Is it true that people who are born again are above dealing with petty social issues? Or should we think biblically about this? Was John the Baptist, who was regenerate in the womb, by the way, stooping below his calling when he told Herod that it wasn't lawful for him to have his brother's wife? I mean, why concern himself with that social issue? To make matters worse, John the Baptist was seeking to apply the law of God to a pagan ruler. How dare he? 
Was Jesus wrong for healing people, restoring them to fellowship with their brothers and sisters? I mean, certainly there were social issues involved here. Was Jesus himself wrong in dealing with them? As I mentioned before, I want this to be as charitable as possible because I love Dr. MacArthur, but I think he's either speaking out of both sides of his mouth or his dualistic presuppositions are so ingrained in him that he doesn't even realize it. The reality is... Social issues are spiritual issues. Social issues are made manifest because of spiritual issues. The last quote I read really sheds light on where Dr. MacArthur's teaching lies. He sees the culture as the Titanic, and we shouldn't waste time rearranging the moral furniture. Don't spend time addressing moral issues in the culture. Only preach the gospel, as if these were two opposing activities. MacArthur believes that the world is a sinking ship. The reason we're in the moral mess we're in, the culture of death, rampant injustice, and sexual promiscuity, is because the church has said, well, we're not here for very long as it is, and we don't, we don't care about redeeming culture. We're focused on just preaching the gospel. Now, to be clear, we have to get the order right. Culture comes from the Latin cultus, which connects to the idea of worship. Culture is merely the religious rites of a group of people, their way of life, language, accepted norms, and so on. Culture is religion externalized. We're not trying to first and foremost change these systems. We want the Spirit of God to change the hearts of people, which in turn changes these systems. We're also not opposed, however, to systemic change, knowing that God uses his law to point out sin and point people to the gospel. If we end abortion now, systems change. We want that. We want those things because the meek shall inherit the earth. Notice that the inheritance is the earth, not some obscure, disembodied existence. When regeneration goes before the church through gospel preaching, lives are saved and cultures are changed. The porn culture is changed when women are rescued from its slavery. Local economies are changed when people's hearts are changed towards charitable giving. Listen, if your gospel doesn't address all things that sit under the feet of King Jesus, including social, political, and material issues, then your gospel is impotent for the here and now. The world is not a sinking ship. Jesus is in the process of restoring it, and make no mistake, he will do it. Keep in mind that the increase of Christ's government knows no end, Isaiah 9-7. Let me summarize quickly three reasons why we are in the shape we are in. One, the church has truncated the gospel message. If the gospel for you only applies to your heart and spiritual matters so that you can go to heaven and get off planet earth someday, you have an incomplete gospel. Part of the gospel announcement is the arrival of God's kingdom in time, on earth, and in history. Another part of the gospel is the actual rescue of both sinners and creation. Romans 8 comes to mind. The gospel of the pietistic Christian is merely a private spiritual affair. The gospel for the biblical Christian who loves the kingdom of God and seeks to apply the kingdom of God touches all of life, taxation, politics, private property, education, sound money, and so on. Number two, the church has given up on the world around her. Because of number one, number two is the result. When we don't see how the word of God can apply to all of life, we end up forsaking our duties here in search of the higher life. So the church retreats from battle with her tail between her legs, unsure if all that kingdom talk is truth or fantasy or just mere conjecture. There was a time when the pulpits across this nation prophetically proclaimed a robust gospel for all of life, including social, political realms. Instead of giving up on the world, we must confront the world. The world belongs to those who bow before Jesus, and we will not go away. Number three, the church has forgotten that it is hell who has gates. 
Consider this reality. Hell is the one in Scripture who is on the defense. When Adam sold his birthright and inheritance to Satan for autonomous living fueled by selfish motives, he was dispossessed from inheriting the earth. Adam covenanted with Satan, believing that Satan had authority and God did not. When Jesus, the second Adam, came to get the nations and get the nations he did, the world was bought back from its bondage to Satan, sin, and death. In other words, as king, Jesus has legislative authority in heaven and on earth. Christ's kingdom advances in time and space in history. See Daniel 2 and Matthew 13. And this advancement is offensive. The church militant will advance because the battle has been won. Christ was given dominion and a kingdom that would not end when he ascended to the throne in fulfillment of Daniel 7. After his death and resurrection, Satan was dethroned and is on the run. The world is not a sinking ship. Sure, it was cursed by God because of sin. But God is in the process of restoring all things under the feet of King Jesus. The gospel is truly that big. The world isn't sinking. Evil is sinking. MacArthur is wrong in assuming that the gospel has nothing to do with social issues and only something to do with eternal issues. The gospel is bigger and better because it's the good news of the kingdom, and the kingdom is for here and now, too. Thanks for listening. Soli Deo Gloria. Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to listen to all of our podcasts and to download our free audiobooks. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.